Welcome to the latest episode of Mentors from Your Benchside. I'm Laura Grassi, and today we are going to discuss pipetting errors and give you 17 ways to stop them from ruining your experiments. If you work at the bench, accurate pipetting is crucial. Without it, your experiments wouldn't be reproducible, your stock solutions would be inaccurate, and your assays would have such large errors that comparing them would be meaningless. But luckily, there's no need to worry. Your trusty precision micropipettes take care of that for you. Or do they? Precision instruments they may be, but the accuracy of your micropipettes depends on you. You need to maintain your pipettes, have an understanding of how they work, and practice good technique. Only once you've mastered these aspects can you claim to have anything like precision instruments at your disposal. Here we discuss foolproof ways to get accurate pipetting. The first thing you need to do is you need to know how your pipette works. You probably use an air displacement pipette. This works a bit like a syringe, except that there is an air-filled cushion between the piston and the sample. The air cushion prevents the piston from coming into contact with the solution. Keeping the solution and the pipette barrel apart is good, but it also puts some limitations on the pipette. Temperature and pressure can affect the volume of the air cushion, which affects pipetting accuracy. Also, volatile solvents can evaporate into the air cushion, which leads to inaccurate and lower dispense volume than that displayed on the pipette. The barrels of air displacement pipettes are also vulnerable to contamination by the pipetted solution. If you're working with corrosives or biohazardous material, this can be a serious problem. So our next tip is don't use an air displacement pipette, depending on your application. Most of what we're discussing here relates to air displacement pipettes, but sometimes a positive displacement pipette may be a better option. These also work like syringes, but they don't have an air cushion. This makes them more accurate for pipetting volatile solvents because there is no place for the solvent to evaporate. The lack of an air cushion also decreases the chance of contamination when pipetting corrosives and biohazardous materials, which makes positive displacement pipettes much more suitable for working with these reagents. These pipettes are expensive because the barrel and the tip are a unit and both are replaced when pipetting. A cheaper alternative is to use an air displacement pipette with barrier tips, but these only address some of the problems. Another important thing is to make sure that you're taking care of your pipette. And this means you should have your pipette serviced every six to 12 months. This is just a rough guide. You may need to have it serviced more often depending on your requirements for accuracy. This service should include recalibration, greasing of the moving parts, and replacement of any worn out seals or other parts. It's best to have this done by an experienced pipette doctor. If you work in university or for a large company, there may be pipette clinics you can use. In other cases, you can send your pipettes off to companies that will do it for you. You can also check out our related article on how to assess the accuracy of your, your pipette, which is linked in the episode description. Another important thing is to make sure your pipette isn't damaged, and therefore you should check your pipette for daily damage. Examine the nose of the barrel where the tip is fitted for any obvious damage. If there is a problem, make sure you have it serviced, because it's unlikely to be fit for the job. You should also clean your pipette every day before use. Simply wiping it with some 70% ethanol should do the trick. One of the key things is making sure you store your pipette correctly, and that is it should be stored vertically using a pipette holder. Storing your pipette this way prevents any liquids that are in the pipette barrel from getting any further inside the pipette and causing corrosion or contamination. And therefore, you should never put your pipette on its side with liquid in the tip. 
There's nothing preventing the liquid from rolling down into the pipette barrel. Remember, only air separates the liquid from the pipette barrel. Any liquid inside the barrel results in contamination at the least and can cause some serious corrosion damage elsewise. You should also make sure that you use well-fitting tips. Poorly fitting tips allow air to escape when drawing up and dispensing liquid, which leads to inaccurate results. You also need to make sure that you have excellent pipetting technique. So you need to make sure you know how to pipette properly. For the basics, take a look at Gilson's pipetting technique manual, which is linked in the episode description. The most important rules to follow are, pipette with a slow, smooth action, hold the pipette vertically when drawing liquid in, immerse the tip only slightly when drawing liquid in, otherwise you'll coat the tip with liquid, which will be transferred along with the volume inside the pipette. When dispensing the liquid, hold the pipette vertically, but keep the sidewall of the receiving vessel at 45 degrees. Pipette against the sidewall or into the liquid that's already there. Another way to check your technique is to test your accuracy. And you should check the accuracy of your pipetting technique regularly by dispensing 100 microliters onto a fine balance. The mass of your drop you make should be around 0.1 grams. Now, do the same thing 10 times and record the masses you obtain. If the variation between these is more than 0.5%, then you'll either need to reevaluate your petting technique or practice more. There are some tips that you can use to increase your pipetting accuracy. The first is pre-wetting the pipette tip. When you dispense liquids from your pipette, a coating of liquid is left on the tip, which makes the dispense volume slightly less than that displayed on the pipette. Pre-wetting the tip before you pipette will help increase your accuracy. To do this, draw up the liquid into your pipette and then dispense it back into the original vessel. The coating is now on the tip. Now, when you draw up the liquid again and dispense it into the receiving vessel, none of it will be left on the tip and lost to wetting. This, however, is only recommended for volumes greater than 10 microliters. Another tip is to potentially use reverse pipetting. This technique is great when pipetting viscous liquids or volatile solvents. Reverse pipetting also helps when pipetting ultra micro samples of 0.5 microliters or less. Push the piston down to, purge, to the purge position, the second stop, then draw the liquid up. Yes, there is too much liquid in the tip at this point. However, when the liquid is dispensed by pushing the piston to the aspirate position, that's the first stop, the extra liquid is left inside the tip. Using this method, the tip is automatically pre-wetted. The extra liquid also helps when pipetting volatile solvents because some of the solvent will tend to evaporate into the air cushion. Another tip is to make sure that you take the ambient temperature into account when you're pipetting. The person or company that calibrated your pipette likely did so at room temperature. If you're working at a different temperature, for example, a cold room, then your pipette will not dispense the displayed volumes. In this case, you could potentially do the pipetting outside the cold room, or you need to consider um, to take into account the different in temperatures. You also need to take the sample temperature into account. There was a 2007 Nature Methods publication where the authors observed a strange phenomenon. When repeatedly pipetting cold samples, the first dispense volume was always larger than expected, but the subsequent pipetting with the same tip gave the correct volume. The same was true for hot samples, except that the first dispense volume was smaller than expected. 
their solution was simple. For accurate pipetting, dispense the first volume back into the original vessel, then start pipetting. Another key thing when you're pipetting is to make sure that you use a, sen a sensible pipette for the volume that you want to dispense. The accuracy of your pipette decreases as the dispense volume approaches the minimum the pipette can handle. For example, if you were dispensing 15 microliters, then a 1 mil pipette would be terrible. A 200 microliter pipette, not so good, and a 20 microliter pipette, ideal. You also want to make sure that you're pipetting the largest volume possible. Larger volumes are easier to pipette accurately than smaller ones. Say you are performing an assay where you have to pipette 5 microliters. Pipetting that small amount accurately is not easy and will likely contribute greatly to the statistical error in your results. On the other hand, you could dilute the stock solution 10 times and pipette 50 microliters of the solution. You could easily and accurately pipette this amount, which would yield much tighter error bars. And finally, as an extra tip to get maximum accuracy, an analytical balance is more accurate than any pipette. For maximum accuracy, use your pipette to dispense the volume need, but do it in a teared container on a balance. Then calculate the actual pipetted volume from the mass using the formula volume equals mass divided by density. Of course, this only works for solutions of known density, but for aqueous solutions that have a density of one, like water, this isn't a problem. We hope you find these pipetting tips helpful. We've included links to relevant articles and resources in the podcast episode description. Do you have any pipetting advice we didn't cover here? Visit the original article and leave us a comment. And don't forget to check out more episodes of Mentors at Your Benchside to get more helpful tips and advice for your research. Are you always on the go, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research? Well, look no further than Listen In, the podcast from Bite Size Bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format. With webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy. With Listen In, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Listen In in your podcast app to subscribe.